Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. What is up, podcast world? This is Adam Peek. Happy Juneteenth. This episode is releasing on Juneteenth. If you don't know what Juneteenth is, then go online, figure it out. But it's a day to celebrate freedom. And uh, freedom uh, when America finally got rid of slavery uh, through the Emancipation Proclamation when Texas was the last holdout state. Um, And so there's a lot of companies that are talking about this right now. And we have an incredible guest on this podcast today, Kirk Visola. He is the founder, owner of Mind the Font. They're a creative design service and uh, branding and packaging. And we get real. We talk about packaging. We, we dig into some social issues and what's going on during the day. It's myself and Ted uh, doing the interview. And Kirk is doing an incredible thing for uh, black-owned businesses. You can see it here behind me. I'm going to have a link down. It's called the Empowered Initiative. And I'm going to have a link for you to share uh, with uh, or, or apply if you are a, a black-owned business. And Kirk wants to help elevate uh, branding and give you access to some just incredible talent. And that would be Kirk. Uh, he's an incredibly talented guy. And I hope you really enjoy this podcast uh, with Kirk Visola from Mind the Fun. All right. We are here with Kirk Visola. And this is a special interview in a lot of ways. Uh, Ted and I don't get to do a lot of co-interviews and I'm, I'm super excited that Ted's able to join us for this interview as well. Uh, Kirk, welcome. Quarantine. What's that? That's the beauty of quarantine. That is, that is, we can knock all this stuff out. Uh, so we've got, we've got New Jersey, we've got Salt Lake city and we've got Kirk, you are in, in the Bay area, correct? Yes, correct. San Leandro is right next to Oakland. So. All right, right on. Um, so we're joined by Kirk Visola. And Kirk, welcome to the People of Packaging podcast. I know lots of people get on packaging podcasts. It's such a popular format, but right. uh, maybe not. Maybe <laughs> it's, not so no, much. It's, 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 it's right there. next to the basket weaving format. It's perfect. It is. Yeah. It's like Joe Rogan and then yeah. us. It's pretty right. much. Yeah. Neck and neck. Yeah. I'm just basically. waiting for our Spotify, our Spotify contract that's coming up soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's really, really cool to be on. I don't know what I can really bring. I always get nervous talking about stuff like this. So. Oh, uh, don't worry about it. You get to talk about yourself. Oh, okay. And and, and what you and what you do. So, um, <laughs> Kirk, you and I we connected up on LinkedIn um, through actually Lori Glenn, who's a coworker of mine, and uh, she was talking about some of the work that you're doing, which I'm excited to get into at Mind the Font, but. Before we dig into that, this is the People of Packaging podcast. So, uh, you know, introduce yourself, um, just like maybe you would if if we met in person. And yeah. you know, what is it you do, and you know, yeah, details well, well, of your life. Right, I'm a Libra. I like taking long walks on the beach. <laughs> no, no, I I, uh, I was born in '76 in a small town in the Central Valley called Modesto. And I'm not sure you guys being from out of the area, but it's a real small farm community, lots of agriculture. So grew up a lot around the cows, and uh, it was it was very interesting to see the uh, cultural in diversity there. I was like one of five black families growing up, lots of Latinos, 
mainly Mexican. Um, and it was very cool because it kind of taught me life lessons early, early on, you know, just from how, how you're treated, how you're taught talk to, how you're supposed to talk and all of the qualities that my parents instilled in me as far as carrying myself well, uh, speaking properly, so to speak. Uh, and also just being confident in who I am and what I do and how I live my life. And it was, it was very interesting growing up. I love playing soccer, love drawing, love playing in band. I play the trumpet and just had a pretty much a outside from all the racial tension, a normal life growing up. Um, and growing up, there were certain things that stick out, but it wasn't really awful uh, experience until I got older. Yeah. One question. Yeah. Any cow tipping? <laughs> Heard tons of times, never did it. Never went out, man. Um, okay. I didn't, honestly, I didn't see the point. I, I didn't really like stepping in cow patties, manure. And literally, they, they were this big and they'd be on the ground. So it was like sidestepping landmines. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not getting caught for something that stupid. Right. The thing is that my brothers, I have three older brothers, uh, one passed, uh, but they were kind of known in the community. Like my name was Prescott. And so I was always little Prescott. So anywhere you went, if, if you, if you fucked up, up, I'm sorry, I down. You're fine. Presence. All right. You're fine. Uh, they would know. <laughs> and they would know. They'd be like, Oh, little Prescott, what are you doing here? Like, Oh, you know, why'd you do that little Prescott? It's like, well, I guess that's good. Cause they kind of know who I am. But at the same time, it's, it was very interesting to see the dichotomy. So if I knew if I went cow tipping, that people would know who I was and I would get caught. So, okay. Got it. That's a good deterrent <laughs> aside from the cow patties. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so you, so you uh, grew up um, and, and you kind of hinted a little bit at, uh, at your drawing. And so, you know, what we'll kind of, I, I know you're doing a lot of amazing work in branding and creative design. So is that really where uh, you, you started to get into graphic design or was there a, um, was there, were there inspirations for, you know, did you read a lot of comic books or, you know, did you, what, what, what kind of things got you into drawing as a kid? Um, as you can tell, Oh, you got your Batman mug. I kind of, um, have an affinity for comics. <laughs> oh, wow. So for me, it was a matter of growing up and then seeing the styles that were emulated <laughs> if and you're, the way that things, if you're not watching the video right now, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, Kirk is drinking from every comic, uh, book, character, mug, coffee mugs. So what did we get? We got Batman. We got Superman. We had Black Panther. Black Panther. Panther Vader's in the Death other room. Star. I had a Dar uh, Death Star mug, but I grew up really just emulating comic books and the way they were drawn in style. My older brother, Mickey, he's an incredible artist. I mean, just... I would try to be like him and draw like him. And he was just so good at what he does. I mean, he's really good. He doesn't draw that much now, but he was really an inspiration. And people say that, oh, graphic design, then you draw. It's like, that's not usually the case, but I kind of took to graphic design very oddly. I didn't see the relation. I didn't see it as being subjective. I saw it as being objective. I was a science person, still am. I like numbers. I like one plus one is always two. It's like, there's both graphic design there's many solutions to it. and that was always fun because I have a very creative head mind space and I'm really crazy with my thoughts 
And it was nice to always come up with different ways to solve a problem. I love doing puzzles. I love solving things. And this all graphic design is, is a visual problem solution. Hmm. That's all it is. You're just solving a problem visually. And I've always been into taking stuff apart and putting it together and seeing how it works. And this was just the next step. And I kind of got into it accidentally with, um, with my ex-wife. She was going to San Jose State at the time. And she was taking illustration classes and design classes. I never knew about graphic design. And I just thought, why are you doing this? This is so stupid. And I kind of just took to it. And it was, it became a passion for me. And I can't tell you anything about people who actually do design or anything of that nature. I don't know a lot of people who do it. I just love doing it. And it's always kind of been in my, unknowingly in my fiber to do it. So that's how I kind of got into it. But yeah, comic books and that was a start Star Wars, Marvel, DC. Um, I don't have my ring on, but I have a Batman ring for my wedding ring. It's just my signature on my license is the bat symbol. So I've, <laughs> I've always kind of just been a, a geek. So it's kind of, it's, that really drew me into this artistic realm of problem solving. That's awesome. Um, I, was on a, I was on a call and a guy was showing me this, this really cool uh, new corrugated roll-up e-commerce solution. And it was interesting because it was inspired by sushi. So if you think about a sushi roll, it was a, it was a, a guy who does corrugated design and, uh, and he was, it's, in, it's over in, the, in uh, the Netherlands right now. And he saw the sushi roll and he thought, that's really elegant. I wonder if we could ship, uh, you know, really high-end designer dresses and high-end clothing and we roll them up so that they can be unrolled and they're not all creased and yeah. stuff like that. So it's just cool to hear about how we kind of where people get their their inspirations from problem solving man like that's I, I also think too like i always i always tease people like i'm lazy um meaning i'm not going to try stuff to just just to try it i'm going to really think and really figure out how to do it before i even start and if i mess up that's fine but at least i'm putting some thought behind it as opposed to just doing it so the thought that went to that was all right i have to iron out the clothes and keep them fresh but once they get once they get shipped, they're always gonna get folded. But if you keep them rounded, then like there's a whole process to why you thought about that. Oh yeah. And, and so like that's the big thing too, is like the process for the problem solve is always different. But every problem solve is very unique. So it's that's the fun part of it. Yeah, for sure. Um okay, so uh you kind of mentioned you went to you said San Jose State, right? The Yeah, yeah, I went there for a couple of years. I didn't graduate. I was actually looking into graduating because I have, I went to Stanislaus. I was actually pre-med first. Okay. Um, but I realized I wasn't a very good student. I uh, didn't like to study because high school is easy. I mean, if it's really hard to fail in high school, if you just go to class, I mean, that's, that's how I look at it. And it's kind of stupid for me to say that, but at the same time, that's how I felt. That was my experience with it. And so uh, I didn't have to study. I would, and I carry like a 3.4 grade point average and I never studied. And so I got to college and I didn't know how, didn't know how to study. And so that was the thing like, oh man, I, I suck at this. I'm not a very good student. And art's always just been kind of in my blood. And so I just naturally gravitated to it. And that was after two and a half years, three years at a local CSU here in Turlock, which is in the Central Valley. But and I went to San Jose State, started taking design and art classes, was acing them, and it was just kind of my thing. And 
then I got out and started working and never looked back. Okay. And did you go out on your own or did you go initially? Into- yeah, it was, it was, it was my ex and I, we had our own, own business. And then I was also working at the community college in Modesto and off hours I was working for our business. So it was, a, it was a lot of work, but then initially I transitioned, we transitioned doing it full time on our own and then went over to the Bay area and started picking up different jobs here and there. So I was working for, different places and they all taught me a different skill set. It was really cool. The first place I went to taught me about circular work and newspaper ads hmm. and how to get those out and how to manage those and how usually companies like, uh, like I know for instance, Jordan, they work 18 months out. So they're already 18 months ahead as far as like their production. So when you're ever you're in a, in a circular ad, you're working on Christmas stuff now, like all the Christmas stuff is almost done at this time because it needs to go out quickly. So tell me about time management and how different things work and things of that nature. And then my next job was more packaging focused. And so I learned more about packaging there. And then my next so every job I've had has all picked up stuff along the way. So it's really helped me be more of a well-rounded designer. So I'm not just one thing. I do a lot of things really well. And I'm saying that as I'm not saying that to be a bragger. I'm just saying it because it's how I feel. Yeah. So yeah. And um and so on the on the packaging side, because obviously it's a you know it, it, it's it's a packaging podcast, but it's about people first. And so, right. um, what what is it maybe for people who are let's say there's a somebody younger. So the, the age demographics of people who listen to podcasts tends to skew younger. Um, and so there's a lot of graphic designers who I think are coming up, um, and I find that most of them don't don't even think about packaging as, as an mm. avenue for creative expression and as a way to, uh, you know, to get their art, so to speak, into the world. Um, so what, what are maybe some things that you've learned about packaging specifically from a brand and creative standpoint um, that you've picked up along the way that you could share with people either about uh, you know, career or just in general about challenges when it comes to designing for packaging i think that packs is the cool thing the coolest thing about packaging and it's never going away newspapers may go away certain elements may go away but packaging will never go away everything you get comes in a package Mm -hmm. your iphone your tennis shoes things in the mail amazon everything you purchase comes in a package and that's never going away and it's also fun because it's like you were saying, it's a canvas. I mean, like one of my favorite things to do is design wine labels. You have a square or a rectangle, depending upon what you're doing, if you're doing a box, but usually if it's a bottle, it's pretty straightforward. There's so many things you can do to that bottle. There's so many different finishes. There's so many different capsules. There's so many different styles that you can do with that little canvas and you're able to express yourself on there. But I think also too, the biggest thing that, young artists and young designers need to learn is that it's not about you. Like I always think my, my work shit, that's, that's what I think because I have to take my ego out of the equation and actually deliver on what the client wants. So it doesn't matter what I think I'll give them what I think works best. And um, I will try my hardest to make it look appealing, but at the same time, they're the ultimate decider. So I can't just say here and here's this. Cause I think that's where things get lost is that, you can't let your ego go in order to actually present something that the client wants. 
So when it comes to packaging, there is a little bit of a give and take, um, but it's never going away. So that's something to think about too. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, the, so, so do you have, you mentioned wine labels, um, mm -hmm. which, which is maybe one of the, the biggest differentiators. I know whenever I buy wine, I honestly have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk a big game, but if I don't buy a box, uh, cause I have, <laughs> I have five children and, and, uh, one wife. And so, uh, you know, my, so the kids drink a lot. The kids, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I pray over a lot of water is what I'm saying <laughs> just to see what, see what happens. Like kids, here's your water bottle. I don't know, but it's bedtime. Maybe, maybe, maybe. not. <laughs> Maybe this has turned into the good stuff. Uh, but, but, you know, like with wine labels, if, if I'm going to buy like a, a decent bottle of wine and as an uneducated wine consumer and as somebody who knows that these labels are designed to get me to buy them, I already know that because I work for a company that prints wine labels. I'm still just like, I'm going to buy the coolest wine label and relative to a price point. It's like, okay, I don't want to buy the really cheap stuff. And I'm not going to spend a hundred bucks. So I'm going to focus in on a price point. And then in there, it's really the wine label that's going to drive my decision as a, as a consumer. Are there, are there other areas that you really enjoy working in? I mean, I'm sure if you're up in that area of California, you probably do a lot of wine label, but are there yeah. other industries that you do a lot of work in? A lot of CPG. So I just worked with a, a good friend of mine. His name is Pete Brennan, him and his wife. His wife is the owner of Sonyar Chips. It's, a Latino focus, Latino empowerment brand and of grain free chips. And so Nyard means to dream. And so he and I worked really closely on what to do. It's in the packaging and how it goes. And it's so interesting to see how film is laid out as opposed to like a label. So when they lay out the film, they have to reshape it to make it into a bag, a pouch. And then also um, another one was, it's called Zola coconut water and it was energy drinks and also Tetra cans. And the cool thing about aluminum cans, I didn't know. Let me, do I have one handy? Don't have one handy, but the cool thing is it's flat and they just hammer it out and it becomes this can and then they cap it off. Yeah. So if you ever look on a, on a can, you notice there's a seam on it and that's where it comes together. And so it's just interesting to see all the different aspects of how things work together. Uh, so for me, I really enjoy the process of a lot of other things besides wine packaging. I love how things are made because that's kind of like my nerdy side, the scientific side, like what's the actual process and how it's made and how are these finishes different. Um, but I think for me, the most enjoyable thing is finding good people to work with. Mm. I'm realizing that like I, if I, I want to be able to work with people I like, I want to go out and have like a beer or coffee or have a meal with someone because then I think you're, your results going to be much better if you get to know somebody and know what their vision is and what they want to do. Um, but if you always have this like tension, it really shuts down the design process and the thought process to me, as opposed to just being free to actually have conversations and communication with people and be honest. Like just tell them like, like <laughs> Pete and I will have conversations and I'll just straight up tell them like, do that stupid. You know, and it's, and it's not mean, it's just truthful, but I wouldn't say that normally to another client, but it's my, he's my friend and he's like, why explain it? And I'll explain it to him. He's like, oh yeah, that's a fair point. And then we do that to each other. Like he'll say, well, I'm not sure if that's working. 
and it's just this nice collaboration in order to present or produce the best piece possible. So it's not necessarily just wine. Um, it's just actually a lot of who you work with too, for me. Okay. Now, do you feel collaboration is important to success? That's a good question. Depends on what the collaboration is. I, I believe that collaboration, as far as the concept goes, works really well. I believe that collaboration, as far as everybody having a hand in and trying to design, isn't the best thing. Um, the designer is meant to design. Like, I'm not going to go to a chef and say, hmm, let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to do this. Uh, make this steak. Well, you know, I wouldn't have done it this way. Let me come back here and show you how I would have made the steak or how I would have fixed it. And that's to me just another line of respect that needs to happen. Like I, I, this is my profession. You don't go to anybody in a profession and tell them what's what you listen to that, what they have to say, you get feedback and you can say things you don't like because it's actually is, it's kind of artistic, but at the same time, you, when you start art directing, when people start art directing me, I just go, okay, well, what, what would you like? I'm not going to give you input. You already know what you want. Just tell me what you would like, because this isn't really helping anybody. Right. If you want to have, if you really respect what I'm telling you, I'm telling you why this would work. And if you don't like it, then that's fine. Let's just move on with what you like and get on with our lives. Um, so collaboration is great as far as, I think, in the brainstorming process and figuring out what you want to do. But once something's already going in a direction and for people to keep chiming in and Frankensteining things, that's what we call it. You Frankenstein it. So like, oh, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And next thing you know, you have this amalgamation of a, of a product that does not work, but everybody got their say so. And also designed by committee. But yeah, initially, brain, storming, concepting, I think collaboration is good. Okay. So it's also important to be clear about what the boundaries are too. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think it's, it's difficult because you don't want to come across as being being the, the designer and not flexible. It's like, I have no problem helping or doing work, but at the same time, if you're asking me my opinion and just doing whatever you want, don't ask me my opinion. Like, just tell me what you want to do. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Like, what do you think? Well, I think, no, I don't think that. Let's just, well, why'd you even ask me? Like, there's this part, <laughs> there's this part in Pulp Fiction where, where uh, Vinny goes, uh, Vincent goes up to the bar and he's like, yeah, you know, what should I do? He's like, man, my name is Paul. This is between you all. He's like, well, why in the fuck did you even ask me that? <laughs> like, <laughs> don't give me opinions when I ask you something. Like, I don't know. Like, you're the designer. It's annoying. Yeah, that. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how many times I've been in meetings where the 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 conversation is between like myself and we'll say supply chain and they're just like, Oh, it's the designer. Like we're waiting on the designer. This is the designer. This. And I'm like, well, why don't you invite the designer to the meeting next time? So we can get this thing flat. Like, like it's always a convenient uh, scapegoat uh, whenever, whenever you're trying to get something produced. Um, so yeah. That's, yeah. And, and they probably didn't have any, they, there's probably no clear cut, you know, timeline, nobody communicated anything to you. And then it's like, now we're just going to throw the designer no, yeah. under the bus. Oh, yeah. okay. So two things on that. One, um, the it's urgent. I need it now. I need it now. I need it now. Okay. If you're producing a large run of liquid that has to have a container to go into, understandable. Like, okay, there's definite di di uh, deadlines for production runs. So you have to be able to run the glass. You have to be able to run the labels. You have to be able to put the glass through 
the fillers of the wine or whatever you're doing. So yeah, there's definite cutoffs, but don't tell me it's an emergency. No one is going to die if this design doesn't get done. Like that's an emergency. My wife's a speech uh, language pathologist. She's a speech therapist and she has her clients die on her all the time. Mm. They're older. And if there's an emergency in her field, it's actually an emergency. It's not like, like it is a life and death situation. So let's redefine emergency. That's part one. Part two, don't tell me something is urgent. And then I get it back to you and I don't hear from you for four days. Wasn't that fucking urgent, was it? If you can wait four days after I get it to you, like it's not that urgent. So don't play that game. Right. Uh, that's, and that's another thing too. And I have no problem like putting in late hours. There is no set schedule for designers. Like we have inspiration. We have um, different modes of working. And it's not like you're an accountant, like a CPA. Here are my numbers. Here's my taxes. Let me know what I can do in order to, to figure stuff out and make things work. But with designers, sometimes I'll come up with an idea right away. It's 30 seconds. It's like, oh, this is perfect. This is so good. Sometimes it'll take weeks and it's, I really struggle with it. Then, then the epiphany comes. But when you have the process of telling someone or the gall to tell someone that I need this right now, and it's an emergency, and then you don't get back to them, it's just disrespectful. It comes back right. to the whole professional thing. Like, that's not professional. Yeah, but it's 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 more common than, than not. That's because it totally is. It totally is. And then what what do you do at that point? I mean, do you speak up and say something? Well, I usually do, and it gets me in trouble. But at the same time, I'm not going. They're they're more likely to respect either they won't use me again, or they're going to respect what I say. And either way, I'm fine with it. I'm 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 at the point in my life where I'm not going to kiss anyone's ass, for lack of a better term. Like I'll just tell you how I feel. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is me all the time. Like the way I'm talking to you guys, I'm always like this. This isn't a show. If you ask anybody, they'll tell you this is exactly how I am. This is actually a toned down version of me. <laughs> but but um, that's how I feel things should be. I'm always going to be this way with you. I'm going to give you 100% of my effort. And I'm going to give you all of my energy if you're asking me to help you with something. No questions asked. But also have respect the same way. Like respect my time respect when I say something to you, respect the fact that we're all humans, you know, like don't talk down to me. Don't treat me like some, I'm some type of just throwaway peon, like artists in general a lot, but also people of color in my field are also, I didn't have, I didn't, I recently put a picture up of myself on LinkedIn. I never put pictures on my social profile of myself. It's usually my logo or something else because I want people to see my work first and then judge me for it. So oftentimes when I meet people, I'm just straight up with them. Like, this is how I am, which is why I'm talking to you guys. So we have a, a, a ground to go on. So mm -hmm. but anyway, I'm rambling. No, it's fine. I mean, I think there's a lot of things, uh, you know, Ted, I was thinking about how, you know, you, you kind of got into, into design and packaging, albeit on the engineering side, similarly from an artistic perspective, you know, and, uh, it, it seems like a similar process. Um, like I've, you know, I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll write poetry. Um, sorry, my phone's ringing. Uh, sometimes I'll write, I'll write poetry and it will, sometimes I'll just wake up and I'm like, I need to write something right at this moment in time. I don't get paid to do that. I just do it as an expression. And, and, but sometimes what people have said, 
hey, can you write something for me? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how to do that. And so it's, it's, uh, I would, I would venture to guess that is, is that kind of a similar, you know, like Ted, I think about like, you know, making beats for people. It's maybe a little bit easier to just be like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to make this, or I'm feeling inspired to do this instead of like, I need 14 tracks and they better all be some crappy bangers. Yeah. Some bangers, bangers, some banger trap beats. (laughs) Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, <laughs> it's the creative process, regardless if it's for design, if it's for engineering, it's it's the creative process. Um, what I do find is having a deadline mm. helps the inspiration. Not a <laughs> deadline like I need this tomorrow, but knowing that there's, you know, a defined yeah. deadline helps me find the inspiration. Usually it's toward the end, right by the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's the career. And a lot of what uh what Kirk described, you know, in terms of the things that he likes in problem solving, it's you really have an engineering mindset. Oh, yeah. That's I mean all it is is problem solving. Yeah, I, I've always kind of been that way. My dad my dad was an incredibly smart dude, barely graduated high school, but incredibly one of the smartest men I've ever met um, from a educational book standpoint, like smarts and also common sense. Mm-hmm. And he always said like, just try something. And if you fail, that's how you learn. I mean, that, that only makes you stronger in what you do. And so I always think about this. So I really, that's why I said before, I want to think about my thought process before I try something and then move forward. But then Ted touched back on your deadline point. So true, man. Like, like, oh, I gotta get this done. Oh, I gotta get this done. Oh, I gotta get this done. Then all of a sudden it's like, you just start, like for me, I always go pencil paper. And that's a lot of things that kids don't do now too. Mm-hmm. They don't use pencil and paper. It's the quickest thing you got. You can jot down an idea. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just get it out. And then you can go on the computer and tweak. And they use the computer as more as more as the creative tool rather than a finishing tool. Like, I think that the computer is a finishing tool. It's a means of fine tuning something that you've already put down. And um, so deadlines and, and quick sketches, like waking up and having a poem inspiration or waking up and, and I, there's, I came up with the character idea from a dream and I woke up and sketched it out and I forgot about it. And I was cleaning up some papers and, I looked at it, I'm like, oh, and then all this, these memories flooded back in about what I was thinking. And so those little inspirational moments, you have to capture them. So it's really great that you write those poems. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's awesome, man, you write those poems because that shows you like what you were thinking and you go back and read and it's like, oh, wow, I can do this. And there's also like a little inspiration, so. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's fun. Uh, it, it's what ended up, uh, this is another, this is a, this is a two beer conversation, but it's why I have a, a single hip hop song on iTunes was, uh, from, from that. So no uh, way. Different, Wait a different. minute. You never told me you had. Yes, I did. Oh, yes, I did. There you go. Yes, I secrets. secrets with right. anyway, <laughs> anyway, we can, Ted, we need to remix it because the, uh, the beat is super whack. Uh, and anyway, 
right, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll, about we it. can talk about that <laughs> offline. Yeah, uh, no, go ahead. Talk about it. About this. <laughs> <laughs> it does start off with a Dunder Mifflin reference and it goes downhill from there. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, Kirk, I want, uh, I, I had the first time that I connected with you, um, was, was very recent. And, um, you know, as, as we talked about, we're going to be airing this on, uh, June 19th, which it seems like a lot of people are just realizing now that this, this holiday that's been in existence for a very long time is, is, you know, now it's like a national holiday in some corporations. So, uh, you know, it's going to be releasing on Juneteenth and what you're doing with your empowered initiative, um, I think is really cool. Um, and, and I wanted you to kind of share about what it is that you're doing, um, even how it's been received up to, you know, this date. Um, and you know, how can, maybe how can some people, get involved with that. I know I've sent a few people your way um, in trying to, to trying to help that out. So was, was that also like a dream and you just woke up and you're like, this is what I want to do? Or have you, um, has that, was that kind of unearthed from a, a, a lot of other things going on? Yes, a lot of other things going on. So yeah, I'll backtrack a bit and I'll try to make this short and I'll try not to cry. But um, my brother used to work for the Stanislaus County uh, Sheriff's Department. He was a jailer and he worked there for a while and he got laid off and then had some mental issues and a breakdown and basically ended up in jail in the same place where he worked. And while he was in jail, he was killed um, by officers that worked there. And I never really thought about it, never really dealt with it. It was just one of those things where it was so surreal that I didn't really place on it. And then seeing a man be suffocated for eight minutes and 46 seconds just brought back all these emotions for me. Mm. And I realized like, holy shit, my brother's gone. He was basically had the same thing happen to him. He was suffocated in jail. And they said he had the same thing, heart problems and things of that nature. And I thought, I always feel like I could have done more. Like what could I have done to help? And for me, my biggest asset is me my yeah. creativity, like that's my biggest asset. I'm, I'm a very creative person. I love problem solving. I love doing things. I thought, how can I help? Like, how can I help people who need help with their business or with their look? Because like you said before, you pick up a wine bottle based upon how it looks. Mm -hmm. So people are going to start buying packaging and buying things of that nature based upon how it looks. And a lot of times people, um, Latinos, blacks, um, they don't have the means to afford the, uh, Pearl Fishers of the world and you no know, weed and Kennedy's like they can't drop 300 grand on packaging. Like it's not possible for them. And my skill set is really good in regards to that. And I'm not saying that again, like I'm not saying it big, Oh, I'm the greatest. It's just, but I'm good at this. And like, I can help someone do that. And so I thought, okay, I'm gonna help out three companies. I'm going to call it the empowered initiative. Like I'm going to help you be empowered to actually have, be on a, if I can't make you on an equal playing field as far as your color, I'm sure she's going to try to help you make your, your product on an equal field, playing field as far, as far as its look. Mm. And so I'm thinking like, what can I do to help these three brands? And I told them like, uh, I told people, fill it out, go through the forms because I always feel like I could have, I could have done more. And so now I'm trying to actually 
put my money where my mouth is and just help out. And um, that's where it got started. So I just want to be able to help some people be more competitive in a, in a very saturated and very beautiful space that's differentiated by not necessarily what's inside of the package, but how it looks. So that was kind of my, that's kind of my thing. So it's open until the 25th uh, application and then we're announcing the winners the next week, but I want to, I have some applicants, but I want a lot more if people hear this, just go. It's a, I'm sure I'll give you the link. Yeah. I'll put it up in the podcast. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's where it came from. So I guess it was more like a Martin Luther King dream of mm-hmm. having equality for people rather than a Kirk Faisal dream. Yeah. So I had I had to put on my personal my uh, well, personal Facebook is it's just Facebook, but um I had to tell some people, uh particularly of uh European descent that look like me, that they had to calm down for a second with their Dr. King quotes because he was uh he was yeah. not, he, you know, he was a radical revolutionary who was hated by, by a lot of people during his time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I wrote real quick. I'm sorry. I wrote something no, on, on Facebook of what it meant to be black. And I went through the process of, you know, you start off, you're born three fifths a person. Like that's, that's how you start off. And then I thought like the reason why my parents brought me up the way they brought me up as far as speaking properly knowing how to handle yourself, knowing how to talk to people who are like, yes, sir, no, sir. They grew up in the South. So I, I still call people, sir, like kids. I call it like, just to me, it's just a, a means of respect and also acknowledgement that that person is at your level. That's the way I saw it. And so they grew up because being black, they already had an excuse, you know, don't give them more reasons. If you quote unquote sound black, if you quote unquote act black, if you quote unquote do black things, then it's all more reason for them to say, well, you fit the profile or, well, you sound like this person that did this. Well, you mouthed off, like whatever it is, they gave me that, that foundation for me to be as successful as I could. It's like you were saying, Dr. King, people are saying, oh, he's revolutionary. He knew how to speak. He knew how to properly articulate what he had to say, but the message he was saying was so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, it, imagine if he was, if he was Wiz Khalifa, you know, it wouldn't have gone over the same just because it's not the same, you know, the same uh, integrity. Yes. <laughs> or that they wouldn't have given him the same deference. They would have not shown him any respect whatsoever in regards mm-hmm. to that, because just upon how he looks, but uh, Martin Luther King Jr wore suits and he dressed nicely. And it's just like all these things that people would expect if they are already uh, prejudging someone else. They want to expect all these things that are great about a culture. Like, why are people who get killed qualified for why they died? Like, oh, George Floyd was a great man. Dave Chappelle touched on this, but I was talking about it before too. It's like, why does it matter right. what these people did? It's like, or who they were you shouldn't do that. And right. that was kind of like the whole thing. So anyway, I was, I was going on, but yeah, let's go, go back to me and interrupt you. I'm sorry about that. Oh no, you're fine. I mean, that's uh, by the way, that, that, uh, that Dave Chappelle, his 846 on, on YouTube is, I, I would just say is like, it's, it's must watch. I mean, it was, 
uh, for me at least, it was like this cultural piece of art that will will yeah. live on. I mean, it was it was so yeah. profound and powerful. And he, um, yeah, and he has such a presence that either he's serious and you take him seriously, or he'll crack a joke and it's funny. And it's just that's just who he is. Like, I mean, the, when you are who you are, that's usually when you do your best stuff. Just be mm. yourself. If you're an asshole, then own up to that and be an asshole. Like, at least I know where you stand. Like, so I, I know where you stand. That's who you are. You stay in your lane. I'll stay in mine. But that's it. Um, yeah. Yeah. The thing so. about his, uh, his piece, 846, is just based on history. Yeah. It'll be relevant 20 years from now. Yeah. Because it'll be the same discussions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... This country is young. That's what people don't understand. Uh, honestly, we shouldn't have any statues up. If you want to put statues up, put up statues of, I don't know, trees. Put up statues of things that don't change or want to, quote unquote, be offensive. Put up statues of, of Native Americans that were here that you slaughtered. You know, like, if you want to do that, then do it. But don't come to us saying, like, oh, it's historical. Yeah, Hitler's historical, too. I don't see a lot of Hitler statues in Germany. Right. I mean, come right. on. Like, don't give me that. It's you're aggrandizing and glorifying a, a part of history as opposed to just recognizing it. Mm -hmm. Don't think of it as any other way. Don't state it as any other way, but. No, it's there as a reminder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Of, no, of knowing your place. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, I'm, I'm at least hopeful uh, if, if, if we've got NASCAR out there saying like, Hey, we're NASCAR's getting woke. Uh, yeah, that was a surprise. You know what I'm saying? Honestly, like, I, I, I thought it was an onion. I thought it was an onion article. Yeah. I'm looking at it, like, is this the onion? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's legit. I know. I was like, that's like the last bit of, bit of hope for, for some, for some folks that are flying the Confederate. They're like, at least we have, it's like, no, there's a Black nope. Lives Matter car. No more, no more Confederate yeah. flags. Yeah. You they do have, have also a, uh, it's not a Blue Lives Matter, but, uh. Something else is basically a cop car. Oh, okay. They have on NASCAR now. Got so it. That's good. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, man, uh, Kirk, this is uh, this has been great. Ted, do you have any kind of other questions, thoughts? Yeah, I, I do have 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 a question. Uh, okay. I think what you're doing with the Empowered Initiative is great. Um, you know, to help give give a, a boost and kind of level out the playing field a bit for. Uh, three lucky entrepreneurs. That's because um, I'm great, Ted. What's your question? <laughs> <laughs> well, in all your greatness, um, Adam forgot to ask the, the the one big question. If you if you had the ultimate power, the the magic wand, you know, what would you fix in in regards to packaging? Or what would you make the future of packaging to be? You are a packaging superhero. You are, uh, in, and you, you can possess, you possess all power to fix this industry. <laughs> well, there's two things I would do. The first thing would be um, to be able to take ideas out of your client's brain and put it onto a screen because you have no idea what they're thinking. I don't know if that's even a packaging thing, but a lot of times I'm not sure this is the best. I'm not sure exactly what I want. I'll know it when I see it. Oh, it's like, that's not helpful at all. The other thing I do, I would do is, is make it mandatory for everything in the package, even the packaging itself to be 
100% recyclable or biodegradable. Um, and there's so many things out there now that you can actually buy and even forks are being made out of bamboo and pressed leaves or plates, pressed leaves. So it's like, what can we do to help that? Because the amount of waste that goes in the packaging, like all the ink, all of the overruns, all of that stuff. And some things just aren't recyclable. So and that's kind of a cheesy answer, but I mean, I really think about that. I would try to make everything, even the product being used 100% recyclable. Yeah. I mean, man, that's a, or biodegradable. Yeah. I, I like, I like your superpower. Uh, I will, if, if I'm ever given, <laughs> given the right to pass the pass on my superpower, like uh, what was the movie? Uh, Shazam. Uh, you know, when there you he, go. he gives, yes. gives away his power, I'll, I'll, I'll call you, you. I'll call you first, but just don't don't go get the thing in your eye, uh, the ball. <laughs> don't turn into that guy. The funny thing is, you know, you know that I know exactly what you're talking about. That's the funny part. I know. By the way, uh, for real, I I actually I really enjoyed that movie, and I didn't yeah. think I watched it in a movie theater completely by myself in Boise, Idaho. And when I like, I'm FaceTiming my wife and I'm like, there's nobody in here. I'm like running around the theater. <laughs> it was unbelievable. That's the, best. That's the best too, because it's, it's like being at home, but actually seeing it on a big screen. Yeah. Uh, and, and the movie, like real quick, I know we're going over, but I love Shazam. I thought it was fun. I mean, yeah. I think people get so serious about things. Like it's a comic book movie. Right. If it's absolutely atrocious, then yeah. But that was fun. I mean, Let's see the good parts about things. It's a movie. It's entertainment. There are yep. worse things happening in the world. It's not that serious. For me, it was Shazam. And then um, I think, so my, I've got a son who's 13. And yeah. uh, uh, I, he, I kept, his friends would come over and I'd be like, do you guys want to go see Enter the Spider-Verse? I'm buying. I think we saw it in the movie theater four or five times. Oh, I was like, great. I loved wow. everything about that movie. And, and I'm not a big, like, com like, I didn't grow up on comic books. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was just such a, I don't know. I just, it's, no, I, it's, the creativity was off the charts. It was so, it was entertaining. Um, it had it a message. Cool. Totally, it had yeah. A message, yeah. You mentioned earlier um, sushi, uh, like the corrugated roll, like sushi. Mm -hmm. Sushi is, an, is art. It's edible art. Like, if you ever see someone really plate a beautiful, like, whenever you go to a nice restaurant, they plate the things, like, they make your food into art. So it was, you weren't just watching, you weren't just watching a comic book movie. You were watching a piece of art that was, that was moving. It was motion, yep. literally motion art because the way that they framed each scene, the way the characters were developed and painted. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's a beautifully done movie Yeah. Um, outside of the whole comic influence. So it makes sense. Then I had to watch from my nest camera, my pair of Jordan one origin stories that I got at retail get stolen off my front porch. No. Yes. That's I got painful. Them. I got them the day they released. I was so, I was so pumped. That's painful. And I was man. like, where, where did they go? What happened? And I look and I was like, I mean, good on you guys. You picked the right package to take. It wasn't like, you know, some Amazon package that was worth five bucks. Like you knew it. They, they knew because the person or people who actually loaded the truck, Hey man, this is going to that address. Go pick them up. <laughs> no, nah, that sucks, man. Yeah, yeah, it was no good. That uh, sucks. So, Kirk, how do people uh, get a hold of you? We we didn't, I mean, we didn't dive in too much into yeah. you, you. You do you do full on branding. So, 
yeah. uh, you know, CPG companies. Ted and I work with a lot of, you know, health and beauty and food and beverage. And uh, right. I, I know we get a lot of questions about packaging design and just branding in general. So uh, is LinkedIn the best place to send people email? Yeah, it is. It's just my name, Kirk Vaisola. And <laughs> if you type that in, you'll find me one way or another. It'll either go to my personal site, which is kirkvisola.com, which is just mainly for fun and like things, art, art projects I've worked on. But my company, mindthefont.com, that has um, a lot of the projects I've worked on, not all of them, but it's a good sampling of projects and a little bit of the process I go through to get things working. But I, I just realized like, I, I, want to, I want to have a conversation at least with people just to kind of see like what they're thinking, what they need. Even if you don't use me or I mean, just, let's just talk. I'm always interested in making friends. I mean, whatever. So yeah. yeah Mindthefont.com. Awesome. Uh, we'll yeah. make sure that those links are in the show notes uh, and on, you know, uh, on the posts and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we'll have the link to the empowered initiative. We'll have kirkbysola.com, mindthefont.com. Um, I feel like we could probably talk a lot longer Man, and call me call me back anytime or just drop a line anytime I'm always down to chat yeah i want to i want to get your uh your itunes debut and not so yet. you might you might want to wait for the remix i got i got ted <laughs> ted's got ted's got to do the remix yeah and ted i'm gonna get in touch with you too man are you on linkedin yeah yeah i'm definitely okay. on linkedin i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna check you out there too man it's really nice talking to you guys good to talk to you too. yeah you as well kurt appreciate it all right all right, all right.